At 12.45 p.m. on Monday, December 19, 2011, there was a knock at my door. My heart sank. I knew who would be there. I ignored it and continued shoving my clothes into the suitcase. The knock came again. She knew that I was inside, and she was not going to go away. Finally, I stopped what I was doing and opened the door. There stood Martha, a lanky 24-year-old British girl with glasses with whom I had been sharing teaching duties. You must come to the meeting right now, she said. I sighed, feeling the weight of the past six months there among thirty Christian missionaries, now gathered in secret for the pre-Christmas prayer meeting. Then she whispered, He's dead, pointing at the ceiling. I thought that she meant God, and I was momentarily confused. I have never read the Bible, and my family is largely atheist. Then she said, Him. And I realized she meant the main God in this world, Kim Jong-il. Was it my fate that my North Korean experience began with his birthday and ended with his death? It was February 2002 when I first glimpsed the forbidden city of Pyongyang as part of a Korean-American delegation visiting for Kim Jong-il's 60th birthday celebrations. It was only a few months after 9-11, and George W. Bush had just christened that country part of an axis of evil, so it was an inauspicious time for a single American woman to cross its border with a group of strangers. Over the next nine years, with each implausible crossing of its immutable border, I became further intoxicated by this unknown and unknowable place. This isolated nation existed under an entirely different system from the rest of the world, so different that when I arrived in 2011, I found myself in Juche Year 100. The Democratic People's Republic of Korea, DPRK, follows a different calendar system, which counts time from the birth of their original great leader, Kim Il-sung, who died in 1994. Juche, which roughly means self-reliance, is at the core of North Korea's foundational philosophy. Almost every book I ever saw there was written by or about the great leader. The state-run media, including the newspaper Rodong Shinmun and Chosun Central TV, reported almost exclusively on the great leader. Almost every film, every song, Every monument heralded the miraculous achievements of the great leader. The role passed down through three generations, from Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il to Kim Jong-un, who was 29 when he assumed power in 2012 and became the world's youngest head of state. It has been reported that every home in the country is fitted with a speaker through which government propaganda can be broadcast, and that more than 35,000 statues of the great leaders are scattered across the country. But while the regime dabbles with nuclear weapons, provoking repeated United Nations sanctions, the people of North Korea suffer. The 1990s famine, known as the Arduous March, killed as many as three million, more than a tenth of the entire population. And even now, the World Food Program reports that 80% of North Koreans experience food shortages and hunger. It is estimated that forced labor Executions and concentration camps have claimed over a million lives since 1948. According to the latest UN report, the DPRK maintains some 20 gulags holding some 120,000 political prisoners. Human Rights Watch estimates 200,000. 
These numbers are inevitably approximate since nothing there is verifiable. Almost no North Koreans are allowed out. Defectors risk execution. And almost no foreigners are allowed in, except those on package tours, most holding European passports, and they get to see only what is allowed. In this global age of information, where secrets have become an anachronism, North Korea stands apart.